0: Hello and welcome to The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And today we are going to be reviewing a movie that finally has come out after being pushed back because of COVID and being pushed back to a date that they felt... Good with the beginning of October. And of course, yeah. that movie is No Time to Die with Daniel Craig.
1: Right. Really
0: excited to review that. Yeah. Uh, let's get started.
1: Right. Well, I love the way that they opened it with Bond. And well, okay, no, actually, we are talking about. I know. I know. The Many Saints of Newark. The Many
0: Saints of Newark, <laughs> right. Right.
1: The Sopranos, A Sopranos Story. Yes. uh Directed by Alan Taylor, mm-hmm. written by Sopranos creator David Chase. And Lawrence Connor correct occasional staff writer he didn't go the entire run of the series right he
0: did about three episodes Mm -hmm. I think from uh, in season three and four Uh, he wrote the teleplay for mergers and acquisitions but that episode was uh, the story by uh, Mm -hmm. Burgess Green and uh, Chase
1: interesting which is interesting yeah yeah one thing I noticed about Alan Taylor Yes. When I actually looked at the episodes that he had done. So he'd done a couple early on mm. and then sort of sat out the bulk of the series. And then right. he came in real strong uh, in like the final episodes, basically. I think he does a bunch of season six, mm. six B okay. and like maybe five. So yeah. that's just kind of interesting. That is interesting. You can kind of see why Chase picked him to be the director because he made an impression late in the run, right. I assume.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, and we can get to like his style and maybe how that matches up with the, the TV show. Mm-hmm. But I think we should start just yeah. you and I discussing, you know, we how we saw it, um, right. Everything, you know, we went to the movie theater, we watched it there, we also watched it again at home, HBO Max, uh, and we went in, you know, telling each other. I think you said this: "Sopranos is the greatest TV show of all time." Mm-hmm. We know that. We've covered that. This is obviously not going to be the greatest movie of all time. Right. That's just impossible. Really. Yeah. Impossible. But can it be a good uh, attachment to this Mm -hmm. wonderful series?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I have much to add to that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just to like sort of explain that a little bit more, um, you know, it's just Sopranos the series, as we all know, raised the bar so high. Right. And... When you're doing a film of Sopranos, you're not really competing with Sopranos the show anymore. In my opinion, you're competing with some of the greatest films ever made. You know, Godfather, Goodfellas, a lot of Scorsese movies, you know. Uh, You're just in a whole different league when you go to the big screen. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is actually really important to mention up top that, yeah, like you said, we saw it on the big screen. And I think that really affected our perception of this movie right and it's it's really affected how i just have digested this movie so let's talk about let's get into how did this movie suck well (laughs) i'm okay yeah let me rephrase sorry um
0: hmm what yes
1: well here's the thing that i wanted to ask you (laughs) yeah as we lead into it yeah uh (laughs) what did you want this movie to be
0: Right, yeah. Can that's you a describe good, that? That is a good question. I, yeah. Um, well, I just wanted a classic good Soprano story. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I and I really wanted to see a badass Dickie Moltisanti. I yeah. wanted to see who was this guy. I wanted to see if David Chase even had like an inkling when he, you know, mentioned Christopher's father in the TV mm-hmm. series. Did he, did he know what this guy was going to be mm-hmm. or is, you know, he's blanks, you know, blank screen, you know, whatever blank canvas We're mm-hmm. drawing him up now. Who is he? I wanted to see a really cool character. I think that's ultimately hearing the title and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted a good Moltisanti.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wanted too. I mean, I think that overall what I wanted was the feeling that the show gave me amplified. Right. I don't know if maybe that right there is asking too much. That was a high bar, I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, like I said, like I very much wasn't expecting the greatest movie of all time. I wasn't mm-hmm. going to like say that the movie was crap if it didn't compete with Goodfellas or whatever.
0: I didn't expect that. I'll yeah. say that. I, I wasn't like, well, this better be as good as Goodfellas. No. Right. I, I didn't think,
1: again, I didn't think it was possible it was going to be a great movie. I just wanted Sopranos energy, just strong. Mm-hmm. There's a certain feeling. There's a certain energy that that series gives me yes. with pretty much every episode. Yes, and every like season climax. You know, there mm-hmm. was just a certain Sopranosness. Yeah, and I just wanted to feel that again. I wanted to feel that force. So did you? No. I didn't either. So what happened when uh, the credits started rolling? I remember (laughs) we had two very different responses. Yours was pretty funny.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I said, uh, that was pretty bad.
1: Yeah. You said that. And I was sitting there and I was like, I didn't want to say those words. Right. I remember just literally sitting there in my chair, almost Mm -hmm. like squirming, like, I don't want to say, I don't, you know, like... I halfway, don't want to condemn yeah. this movie. Yet.
0: Halfway through, I was like, yeah. I can't wait to say this to Hannibal. Right. Because this is how I was feeling halfway through the movie. Yeah. I, I didn't think... Um, let's just start... Let's start, We're not going to... Obviously, we've done all of the episodes mm-hmm. and we went scene by scene. We're just not going to do that for a movie. Um, it's just... will take way too long. Mm-hmm. But I do want to start right at the beginning. I was put off by Christopher being the narrator.
1: Okay, yeah. Talk about that, because I did want to ask you about how you how you felt about that that big surprise yeah. right off the bat. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, that's Christopher's voice. Oh, he's just a
0: disgruntled ghost. <laughs> yeah, he he, and he's you know coming back to you know rehash uh, what we've already experienced from the TV show, but he seems to be like uh, bitter mm-hmm. at his uncle. And I wasn't sure what the point, uh, what the point was, other than it's about his father. But he makes it all about Tony, and mm-hmm. the movie is not about Tony. No, no. But he, but the narrator makes it about Tony.
1: Yeah, and you know, I like to kind of get into this stuff a little bit. Uh, you know, from the last podcast, I said that, like, you know, I felt that there was some studio notes almost in the marketing or maybe studio notes, mm-hmm. like maybe even led to the creation of this movie, the way that it is where David Chess, maybe just wanted to do something about the Newark riots. And then he was told by executives, okay, can you put Sopranos in it? Yeah, And then he said, yes. And that's why we have what we have. And then when we did our trailer podcast, you know, right after watching the trailer, I was really happy because I was like, Oh, it seems like it's actually not that it seems like it's very much mm-hmm. a young Tony story And that's what they're doing. And that's great. You know, I'm here for it. I would have seen the movie either way if it was that or was not that, Mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, if this literally is, you know, really the rise of Tony, a whole movie of like the kind of, you know, Godfather Two, Vito Corleone, Robert De Niro storyline. Awesome. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, So the trailer got my hopes up for that. I didn't get that. I feel like, the marketing was misleading. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like David Chase would probably agree with me on that too. Sure. Uh but anyways, all long story short, Christopher felt like something that the studio asked for. Definitely. That's all I'm trying to say. Definitely. Because it seemed like it was a different movie or like a different conception of what the movie could have
0: been. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I think it was also trying to emphasize this is a a memory. Mm-hmm. Flashback movie mm-hmm. that because we started in the present and now we're we're hearing the narrator talk about the past. Anything that we do in the past, if it doesn't fit the timeline, mm-hmm. it's just memory. Yeah, you know, and that's you know that's just the fault of memory, which I think David Chase has said on several occasions mm-hmm. that. Well, you know, it's like, you know, Janice remembered, uh, you know, her mother getting shot in a beehive Mm -hmm. with Uncle June in the backseat. But actually, it was Dickie. And it's like, oh, okay. well, that's just memory. I mean, like Janice doesn't know all the details. She heard it from Tony or, you know, she heard it secondhand, basically. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it started the movie off on a pretty strange note. Mm -hmm. And I would say that in general. (laughs) That was my conclusion when the credits rolled. Mm -hmm. You sat there and you said, basically, this is a piece of shit. (laughs) And, you know, it's too bad. I did, yeah. Basically. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I don't even know if I can say that. I'm not going to argue that it was great or anything, but it was just so strange. Like, I've never had an experience like that in a theater. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily a good experience, but it was just. I will say, honestly, very unique for me. Yeah. Because I usually know exactly how I feel about a thing the second that it's over. Like, oh, it was good or it was bad, period. Mm-hmm. But with this, I was really like, that was just a weird movie yeah. on so many levels. I don't know if I hated it. I don't know if I, like, respected it. And it confounded my expectations, but mm-hmm. I still respected it.
0: So did watching it on TV yeah, change that at all? <sighs> did, it, did it fit
2: better?
1: absolutely absolutely um i and again like i i hate saying this just because i've read so much um so many david chase interviews about this film and he really has emphasized how important it was to him that this was a film on the big screen and Mm -hmm. how like when he found out it was going to be streaming he was horrified and he's like still very upset about it he's like pretty open about that he's like no this is a movie with a capital M. But it won't stop you from signing a five-year deal. Anyway, continue. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just have to say that I feel like, unfortunately, the big screen did not do this movie any favors. I think that I would have been much happier from Jump if it had just been a TV movie or a miniseries. I wouldn't have had the same sort of, you know, burden um, expectation, mm-hmm. I guess. Because there were so many times when I was watching the movie and I was like, my big problem with what I'm looking at right now is that it just doesn't feel like the big screen. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like big screen caliber stuff to me. Like it's just not dynamic enough in its camera work and in its style.
0: I felt like it was a, uh, I said this to you, it felt like a staged play Mm -hmm. uh, where everything was confined in New Jersey yeah. frames. Uh, the only time it felt like it was opening up was when Dicky and Giuseppe go mm-hmm. to the beach. That's mm-hmm. the only time it felt like the world actually opened up for a little bit. Otherwise, yeah. it was you know, we're seeing uh, you know uh, strange, this is where Alan Taylor, I'm not sure what was mm-hmm. the decision here, but strange lighting Mm-hmm. Like the night shots of the, the riots and the tank coming down mm-hmm. and, and Dickie driving and the, the lighting, the the framing of it. Uh, it all felt very staged yeah. to me and did not feel movie quality right. at all.
1: Right. Yeah. And you know, I think you touch on something there that is, you know, just an unfortunate reality of, you know, practical budget stuff, sure. I guess. With the show... They had a very large budget that seemed to just get bigger with time to the point where towards the end of the series, it seemed like there was no limit on what they could do Mm -hmm. at all. You know, you have a couple non-dramatic scenes with uh, Carmella, you know, just in France. They're like literally in France (laughs) there, you know, in the uh, Cold Stones episode, right, in season 6A. Mm -hmm. And... You're just like, oh, wow. I mean, this is just so big, especially for TV. I mean, this was obviously pre Game of Thrones, pre a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to really describe for people who weren't watching it live at the time, like just how huge The Sopranos was compared to everything else. Yeah. And how limitless it was in terms of its scope. And I think that when you're watching this movie, all of a sudden, it you don't have that anymore. Like it yeah. seems like there actually were limitations, and that it was actually kind of restricted, mm-hmm. um, as far as budget concern. Budget is concerned, yeah, um, they were restricted in terms of like what they could do. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, that's an unfortunate thing, and it's maybe not anyone's fault really. It's just the way that it is, but it still sort of is an inhibitor of this feeling like it's really worthy of the Soprano's name.
0: Right. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're on track right now. Yeah. Just kind of describing, you know, where we think it went wrong. Yes. Uh, we obviously think there are some good things.
1: Yeah. We're not just going to shit all over the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 It feels like we're, we we got a nice stack of shit right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we're just adding to it. We're going to get to some of the good stuff. I think it's just good to point out like, Hey, yeah, here are the flaws, but here's where, you know, it seemed to succeed. Um, the one area that it was really hard for me to to appreciate were all of the story arcs, if you want to call them. Right. Because they felt arc lists that mm-hmm. just felt like so many characters, so much time invested to small characters, hmm like the Gumar. Right. So much invested in yeah. her story. Mm-hmm. And then the riots. Yeah is only a, a fraction of what I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. because David Chase emphasized how much he wanted to do it. It almost right. like he did a disservice to his vision yeah. of talking about the riots. You see the, the taxi cab driver get pulled out. Mm-hmm. You see a couple of buildings burned mm-hmm. down and then now we're in 1971. Right. And that doesn't matter. Yeah. But we've established Harold and, and that's where it really matters. I don't know. It was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it felt like we took away from the main focus, which was who was the man who made Tony Soprano, which mm-hmm. is what this whole you know tagline has been, <laughs> right? From uh, you know uh, PR, and I felt like we got a really lame Dicky Moltisanti. Mm. I didn't, I didn't see what the big fuss was. What was the yeah. big fuss, gentlemen? Dicky Moltisanti, what he. He literally took his dead father that he killed
1: mm-hmm.
0: wife mm-hmm. as a gumar. Yeah, and everybody seemed to be cool with that. <laughs> right. This is the gentleman that yeah. we're talking. About. Okay. I I just I don't know. I, yeah. Some major contradictions and wasted time.
1: You know, it's weird. Uh, I I mean, you're gonna hear me say that a lot. It was weird. <laughs> it's weird. It was strange. Yeah. I mean, it's just my general thing. Yeah. <laughs> More than the movie sucked. Uh, which I don't necessarily... I still don't feel necessarily comfortable saying that. I just don't want to say that. But it's like just very... There's just so many weird, strange choices. <laughs> I'll just say it was yeah.
0: all right. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. obviously, they put a lot... Of, the acting, I would say, was the best part. I think right. the acting was really good.
1: I can't find fault with any of the performances. I can I find... I really can't. Well, I, I'll I mean, get to what I feel is a fault. but I sort of wish Joey... Diaz the comedian wasn't in it mm. <laughs> Do yeah. you know who I'm talking about yeah yeah yeah. yeah. that was like Buddha. a real distraction Buddha. to me yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like I'm not sure why he's in there I don't think he needs to be well, in this movie I yeah I, I couldn't agree yeah. more with that but uh, also I just felt that
0: uh, John Magaro mm-hmm. his sill
1: that I, was a big choice
0: that's a caricature of a caricature that was
1: yeah. huge <laughs>
0: over the top he went big when uh, you know when Polly, uh was so subtle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There was no, <laughs> you know, there was no laugh. There was no mm-hmm. p- real pointing of the pinky, yeah. Except for one part, but like that was subtle. Mm-hmm. The Silvio was way over the top, huge, and the choice to make him bald, but right. then he gets this fantastic wig. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I mean that just as an admirer of the show throws me off so much puts well, a bad taste in my mouth. Like what the hell
1: you're touching there on. And I guess we, you know, we're jumping around a little bit, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, you're touching on something that I just found very strange. Again, there I am yeah, saying there the you word are. strange, mm-hmm. uh, the decision by chase, which I feel like was intentional to just sort of reimagine certain aspects of the show. So, you know, one thing that really jumped out at me right away was this idea that Syl is significantly older than yes. Tony Soprano. Right. When it's established in the series, not literally, but like kind of literally, that mm-hmm. they're basically the same age. Like yeah. their peers... A year or two apart, plus okay. or minus. They have daughters the same age in season one mm-hmm. in, in the Boca episode, yeah. right? Uh, Like... That was just odd to me. Yeah, that, as well as Big Pussy. Yeah. As another older character. So, yeah, that did bother me a little bit because all of a sudden it was like Chase decided oh, you know what? Actually, Tony wasn't really surrounded by peers when he ran the Soprano family. Mm-hmm. Like, it was Tony. And then a bunch of his dad's friends, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> who were all like twenty years older than he was, right? Except for Jackie Jr., who was his age, right? And of course, Jackie dies early in the series, but but
0: no, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't work because there are stories told mm-hmm. in the show, mm-hmm. and again, like I, I just ask yourself, did he have to do that for right. the time period? Because yeah. we already knew the timeline wise it didn't make any sense the age of tony mm-hmm. michael gandolfini yeah playing whatever a 16 15 16 year old right that didn't make sense knowing what we know from like down neck and like those mm-hmm. episodes and his age it doesn't make any sense but yeah. at least you could get all the other characters correct right you didn't have to do that that was a that was a deliberate
1: choice yeah. Like I said, you know, I feel like it was a reimagining of just kind of like, right. well, the show ended in 2007. It's 2020, 2021 now. Uh, these are the things that maybe I would do differently just for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to do them. And who cares? And the thing is, I'm actually not like a huge continuity stickler. I'm not like super nerdy about that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a little distracting. That's all. It's just distracting.
0: It is. It is just uh, distraction for sure um okay uh maybe we should throw in some things at this point that we did yeah. like
1: yeah let's talk about actors okay. let's talk about the big one mm-hmm. of course the one that everyone was waiting for mm-hmm. and most curious about right michael gandolfini so sure. <laughs> what's your take on michael gandolfini and what he if- did Um, I
0: I thought he picked up on a lot of good mannerisms Mm -hmm. of his father's character choice for Tony. Mm -hmm. Uh, You see that in that um, uh, dinner scene or dinner late early dinner scene when his father comes back. Johnny Boy comes back from prison Mm -hmm. and they're eating uh, the veal parm. And the way the way Michael Gandolfini is picking away with the fork Mm -hmm. is exactly the way Tony would have done it. Uh, yeah. It's it's little things like that he picked up on really good details. Yeah. Um. And obviously he looks the part. Right. Which n- leads me to say, if he wasn't his father's son, mm-hmm. he would not have been cast. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. the delivery <laughs> uh-huh. of lines were not that great.
1: Oh. It wasn't okay. that
0: good. Okay. Um. And also, I didn't see, I didn't see a tough. Kid, Right. I saw a weak, weak kid. And, yeah. And that's when he fights Jackie Jr. Feels weird.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Or right. Ja- not Jackie Jr. Jackie April.
1: Right. Oh, and I said Jackie Jr. earlier and I met Jackie April. Jackie yeah. April.
0: When they fight, like when he turns yeah. around and, like this is his friend and this is the only character he really goes off on. Right. Is strange. And that's not Michael Gandolfini's fault. Yeah. But it's strange. That's well, aside strange.
1: from the ice cream man. Yeah. Okay. There is the ice <laughs> Mr. cream Softie. man. But also, is I I
0: heard, I heard this. This is not you know an original idea here. Mm-hmm. That he's reading Ivanhoe and it has Robin Hood in it, and then here's a scene of him robbing an ice cream truck and giving mm-hmm. out ice cream for free. Yes. A la Robin Hood. Right. A la mode.
1: Uh. Yeah. So. Oh, with Jackie,
0: with Jackie and, and Artie
1: Bucco, Artie Bucco. Right. Yeah, I know Artie <laughs> is
0: is tagging along for all yeah. of this. Um, I just that that again felt very soft to me. He's mm-hmm. stealing it to give away free yeah. ice cream when his younger character is having a fucking numbers game mm-hmm. in school. Mm-hmm. That I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. That is smart, and he is seeing what you know. He is picking up on on cues from Dicky, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but then that goes away. Now he's a teenager, and he is
1: yeah soft. Yeah, he's a sensitive guy. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's interesting. I mean, did you have anything else on no. on Michael Gandolfini? So I feel like I liked him a little bit more than you did. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were definitely just exactly like you said moments where i felt like he channeled his dad Mm -hmm. so well where you were like that's exactly how james gandolfini would have moved at that moment right that's exactly for me there were moments where i was like that's exactly how he would have said those words yeah like that inflection like even you know when he's first introduced um michael you know, like midway through the film, right? Which is mm-hmm. another shock. Right. <laughs> that half the movie is baby toady yeah. <laughs> before we get to teenage Toadie. But, you know, whatever. And I actually thought that the young kid did a surprisingly good job. He did. Because I didn't even know, you know, he's not in the marketing. So we didn't even know that he existed. Right. And, you know, he has some good moments, mm-hmm. you know, like when he's talking about, like, oh, Jews or in the Bible. Like, I remember <laughs> yeah. that was maybe the one time in the entire movie when I laughed out loud. Right. Like, that's a good line. And that's just funny. It is funny. Yeah. And I can imagine Tony at that age saying that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that was good. Um, I feel like Michael Gandolfini did a good job. He emphasized... Also the, like, sensitivity, I think, of the character. And so that's where I think a real deliberate choice was made Mm -hmm. by David Chase. Um, And I think that he kind of instructed Michael to do it the way that he did it because he really wanted to make the point, you know, and let's Alan Taylor was the literal director, so I'm sure this was Alan Taylor too. I think that they instructed Michael Gandolfini to remember that this is pre-killer Tony. Mm -hmm. And so I think that softness while sort of frustrating to us as, you know, audience members, was very, very deliberate. And I think that they mm-hmm. wanted to show this sensitive Tony, this, like, he's still just a kid. He doesn't run a criminal empire. He doesn't even really expect to be that person one day. He still has dreams of, like, yeah. living the straight life. His ambition is to be a professional football player, really. Mm-hmm. And he is sensitive. And I actually think that that leads to a moment that for me was the most poignant moment of the movie when he has been rebuffed in a big way by Dickie and throws the speakers out of the window. And he's basically crying and saying, Mm -hmm. I don't want these. I don't want this. And that more than any moment in the film really stuck with me. And it like still does Hmm. because I'm like, oh, you know, when, if you interpret that a certain way, it says something really interesting about Tony Mm -hmm. Which is, like, super tragic and sad, basically. Which is that there was a point when he was normal. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was kind of like us, you know? And he saw that there was this kind of darkness in his family and a potential darkness in his future. And he wanted to steer clear of that. And so when he's pushing the stereo equipment out of the window and saying, like, I don't want this, he's saying, like, I don't want this lifestyle, actually. And, like... All of you adults are involved in this thing. And like, could someone like rescue me from this fate, please? Mm-hmm. And he's not going to get that, you know. Right. And so it sort of reframes Tony as like a really tragic figure in a lot of ways. Mm. And I thought that was interesting. That he becomes corrupt. Yeah, that he becomes corrupt and he becomes a vicious brute. <laughs> Be- yeah. Yeah. Ag- <laughs> against his own yeah. nature. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he kind of, he grows into that. And I Mm -hmm. think that that is where, for me, that's where the movie kind of becomes its strongest. Because it leans sort of into this tragedy, of course, to the tragic aspect of the fact that Dickie, after rebuffing Tony, is actually going to meet him the next morning, right? Mm -hmm. At Holston's, and we all know the significance of Holston's. Um, Tony's waiting there for him. Dickie doesn't show up because Dickie was murdered the night before, Mm -hmm. but what Dickie was going to do, we can assume, is basically have a real sit down heart to heart with Tony and say like, don't get into this stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. don't follow me into this lifestyle. Don't follow me, don't follow your dad. Like, get as far away from this stuff as you possibly can. Then, I think that's all great. Yeah. Then what is the significance of the
0: second Pinky Swear? Right. (laughs) The the dead pinky swear.
1: So I think that... Because if if Dickie was going to say all that at
0: Austin's, what is he pinky swearing there at the end? Is is it the opposite of the pinky swear he gave younger Tony? Mm -hmm. Which was, be good, promise me, you're going to stay out of this, be good, pinky swear. And was this last pinky swear with, hello, the Sopranos theme song starting to play? Right. And a very upset, angry Tony.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What pinky swear is that? Is that, uh, forget everything I said. Uh, you know what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Become the the villain we know. Or is it, no, remember what I
1: said. Be good. Stay good. Mm-hmm. All that. Interesting. I mean, my sense of, of what that moment is about, and I'm sure there's lots of different interpretations, or maybe not. I mean, I don't know that a ton of people really care about this movie, honestly. <laughs> Sadly. Hey, we we'll, we'll just stop there. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, the fans care. And we're uh-huh. fans. Yeah. Uh, so, my interpretation of that moment is really it, it actually feeds into the tragedy a little bit more. Tony, like, basically, he's, like, become a little bit more hardened mm. by the fact that his you know, surrogate father figure, his mentor, his Obi-Wan was murdered. And so basically he's like that, that, that pinky swear is obviously like him imagining something happening. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not a literal thing that's happening. And I think he's saying like, Oh, you know what? Like you were a soldier and like, I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a soldier too. And when the theme song woke up this morning comes up, I remember just being like, oh my God, no. I can't believe they made that choice. It's so obvious. Right. It's so lame. Yeah. It's like beneath the Sopranos to like be that obvious, to put the TV show's theme yes. song as the end credits song. Right. But if you look at it a different way, you're like, eh, it's maybe an appropriate choice. Because what that last shot is saying maybe, mm-hmm. is that this actually is the birth of the real Tony. Mm-hmm. Like, now he really is on the road right, to the darkness, to the violence, and he's more capable of it because he's so filled with anger over what happened to Dickie. And mm-hmm. he's like, that's never gonna happen to me. And if anyone ever tries to do that, like, I'm gonna kill him. So that's the birth of, you know, the James Gandolfini version of the character that we see driving sure. home in the yeah. opening credits.
0: Yeah. Well then... <clears throat> Some obvious things yeah. that happened in the movie. <laughs> Let's just jump to it. Sure. Dickie's death. Yes. That we've heard all about, mm-hmm. but we don't know for sure who killed Dickie Moltisanti. And mm-hmm. we still actually don't know who killed him, mm-hmm. but we do know who ordered it, and that right. was Junior. Right. What did you think of that choice?
1: I liked you it. You liked it? I liked it just because... That, to me, felt the most... It was the only thing in the entire movie that was surprising at all, Mm. in my opinion, Mm -hmm. number one. And number two, it felt like a sort of soprano... That felt real Sopranos-ish to me. Mm. And, you know, I said that mainly, like, my feelings of disappointment in this film stem from the fact that it just didn't have that Sopranos force to it. But that moment did. The idea that, like, Uncle June would... Fall on his ass like a big clown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get laughed at. Yeah. And that just the fact that he's being like laughed at would like literally drive him to murder. Yeah. You know, and that,
0: I mean, it is a build up too, right? He's being told, you know, by his his younger brother, like Dickie Multisanti's got it Mm -hmm. together. He's taking care of things. While I was out, what were you doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, So he is being belittled on all fronts, but it stems from Dickie. Yeah. And he uses that. Right. To kill a member of his own, like, crew. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is so extreme. Very extreme. But it seemed like that was a thing that, like, it did feel like, okay, this is the kind of thing that actually would happen in the show. I mean, they did a whole episode about how Johnny Sack wants to kill Uh, you know, um, Ralphie Cifaretto over the fat joke, you know, with Jenny. And it's like, okay, so that's... really about
0: a fat mole, but... Right, yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Sure. Yeah. So, basically, you know, like that, it reminded me of that. Yes. Of just the extremely small thing that can (laughs) trigger, you know, the just totally, like, out of proportion response. Hearing you say that now, I, I, I appreciate
0: it. I could see I, that works for me. Mm-hmm. What also could have worked for me is a little bit of Soprano's ambiguity. Yes. And mystery. Right. What happened to the Russian, you know, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Who really did kill him? I'd rather we saw the killer mm-hmm. not see who the killer is, but see him after killing him mm-hmm. get into the phone booth and call somebody, and we just hear a voice mm-hmm. on the other end that maybe sounds like Uncle Junior, mm-hmm. but we can't really put it together. Mm-hmm. So we know, like, somebody just ordered a hit. Right. And it wasn't Harold. Mm-hmm. It was somebody else. Right. That would have been nice. Yeah. I would have liked that. Because yeah. it still would have left it up in the air for us to interpret. But mm-hmm. I like your description of it as well. I think it, I think yeah. that works too. Yeah. Um, we should talk about Alessandro. Yes. Uh, Nivola, uh And his... I think excellent
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, acting and and yeah. portrayal of this character, uh, this mythical character. Mm-hmm. Um, some weird choices, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's get into that.
0: Again, killing his father, killing his own father, who mm-hmm. we have just like met. Obviously, a horrible person, kicking mm-hmm. Giuseppe down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Is it Giuseppe or Giuseppe? Giuseppe? Am I?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm never quite sure actually myself. Um,
0: Giuseppe, just Giuseppe Oh, it's uh <clears throat> Giuseppe, Giuseppina. Yeah. Giuseppina.
1: Giuseppina. Yeah.
0: Okay. Just a just a tiny pina. Right. Yeah. Uh sorry, that was stupid. Um But we're keeping it we in. We just
1: call her Giuseppe.
0: Okay, Giuseppe. Um <laughs> Geppetto um was yeah, pushed down the stairs and sexy Geppetto. Yeah. Hollywood Dick, Ray Liotta, um, ugly, ugly man. Yes. This character. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, uh, the choice of Dickie killing his own father, uh, later killing Giuseppina, which Mm -hmm. made sense. That made sense Mm -hmm. for the, you know, affair she had Mm -hmm. with, at this point, a rival Mm -hmm. in Harold, who we'll get to as well. Right. Um. I thought overall, though, he did a great performance. Um, that's obviously not his natural accent, and mm-hmm. I thought he nailed it. Uh, but uh, I thought some character choices were odd f- for this guy that we claim to, you know, he's such a big figure mm-hmm. in Tony's life. I didn't feel like he was big enough, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel like yeah. enough time was placed on Making him look big. There were moments. Right. Like when Harold comes into the pork shop. Which by the way. Yeah. That felt so weird. Oh yeah. For this show. For this universe. Right. The working together. Mm -hmm. With the black community. Yeah. At that time especially. Right. Because we never saw that in the show. Right. That, That was never something that was brought up. Tony's Mm -hmm. obvious racism and hatred yeah he would work in the shadows sure with them but never up in front and welcomed into the pork shop seems so weird yeah I don't know if you had thoughts about that or like
1: yeah you know I mean I thought that that was interesting I mean I guess we should we haven't really gotten to Harold I mean we were going to get to him but you know again like Leslie Odom jr great fantastic i actually really liked what he did with that character i thought that the character was interesting Mm -hmm. um i thought that you know, it was it was cool how like, you know, he kills the guy and then he's gotta go on the lamb. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes back, he's actually like really playing portraying the character as slightly older. Like it's almost like he put on weight a little mm. bit. So like and obviously his hair is longer, he's getting more into like the Black Power movement and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really made some subtle choices, I thought, that like I noticed and I liked. Good. Uh I did think that It was interesting just how, yeah, you're like, well, it seems like things really moved backwards racially over time. Right. Because it it seems like the acceptance, oddly enough, of, like, of black people at the time Mm -hmm. and, like, working with them, like, there was, like, more in the 60s than there was 30 years later. Right. And you're like, that's yeah. kind of weird. Like-, like,
0: yeah. And I was gonna say one of the choices for Dickie as yeah. being like a a cool, sly, mm-hmm. you know, calculating character uh, is when was it Willie Overalls or Leon Overalls? Leon. Okay. Yeah. Willie is the one that Tony eventually right. kills, who also so.
1: seems, I think, to be an older guy. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, who could be a, a relative mm-hmm. of this? I have to assume. Yeah. 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 So. Um, He tells him, like, if it were me, Mm -hmm. I'd feel ashamed, like, saying those words that this punk kid got away from me. Mm -hmm. Like, that is so calculating, so Mm -hmm. cool. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, does Tony ever experience and, like, hear that kind of stuff? Because that felt like a Tony thing. Yeah, sure. To say, Uh, you know, we didn't see that, and that's where I wanted more, like, Mm of a dynamic between those two characters. Yeah. But I thought that was a good good character choice uh, written in, and... You know, overall, I, you know, I really was impressed with his Mm -hmm. performance.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought that he did a really good job. And, you know, it's funny because that reminds me of something about Michael Gandolfini is that his performance became even better to me the more I thought about it. Because he, so Talking Sopranos, right, they did a special on this episode Mm. and they interviewed, like, a lot of the main cast. Mm -hmm. And I guess I had never heard Michael Gandolfini's speaking voice before. But I was like, oh, he just, like, sounds like me. And you, (laughs) you know, he just like, you know, and it's actually more impressive that he was able to really slide into that Tony voice and sound like a young version of his dad.
0: Yeah. I think also his dad too, kind of spoke through his teeth Mm -hmm. a lot and he picked up on that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I can't be caught with this shit. Like that's all through his teeth. That's not, um, and through his nose, obviously Mm -hmm. that's a big James Mm Gandolfini thing like just breathing yeah you can hear him uh through his nose but yeah um yeah I would totally agree with that and and yeah Leslie Odom Jr's character oh this is another thing I was going to get to about like the obvious Mm -hmm. it was obvious like you made it obvious that Uncle June was the murderer Mm -hmm. or organized the Mm murder of Dickie Wouldn't it be obvious to everyone else that it wasn't Uncle June, but it probably was Harold? So why is there an end scene or a credit scene of him moving into a white neighborhood, loads of cash, Mm -hmm. able to pay a big old tip to the movers Mm -hmm. and wave happy and howdy with no one retaliating? Wouldn't your first choice be it was probably him?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, he seems to be such a powerful character. I mean, it's really, Mm. like, strangely powerful. And it's, like, kind of funny to think about it. You know, this kind of goes to sort of what you were saying earlier, just in terms of, like, I don't know. Like, it's not like we're saying, like, oh, I wanted it to be... I wanted more racism. (laughs) No, (laughs) like No. It's it's not that, but it just seemed, like, a little strange that, like, Mm -hmm. you know, he actually... Doesn't really ever suffer, like, nothing bad ever really happens to him. He basically just has this idea, hey, I want more power, I want more respect. Mm -hmm. He seems to acquire it pretty easily. Yeah. With, like, little trouble. It just sort of defeats the the mob guy is on like kind of every level you know what I mean like you know he has a shootout and he kind of gets the better of everyone during the shootout yeah you know he sleeps with uh Geppetto like (laughs) right you know it's just like he sort of just takes what he wants yeah uh without any trouble and part of it I think again you know it goes back to David Chase (laughs) which yeah I'm
0: just thinking about all the the Italian listeners of the show yeah just turning it off right right. (laughs) right now after saying Geppetto, but continue. But,
1: uh, Giuseppina. Yeah. Um, I wonder if part of it for Chase was sort of this, and he seems like such an unsentimental guy who like doesn't really give a fuck about anyone's feelings at all. Mm -mm. But it's almost like he said to himself, you know, we didn't really allow, um, any black characters to really have a voice on the show mm-hmm. ever throughout the entire run. And when they did appear, they were kind of degraded. Yeah. Um, I want to maybe represent that community and that culture in a way that's not so super negative. Right. Um, to, as kind of a corrective in a way, but then why what, didn't yeah. he
0: just focus more on the riots, like including the riots better in, within
1: the universe and that's where we get to that's probably the movie that if he had had his druthers and been able to make exactly what he wanted to it just would have been an original movie about that
0: but take out like 20 minutes of Giuseppina's hair salon (laughs) narrative and and you can add in more about the riots which you just kind of gave up on which i i felt like it did a A disservice to the story yeah because there is no story out there Mm -hmm. about the 1967 newark riots yeah race riots there's there's nothing about that Mm -hmm. he had an opportunity which he really wanted to take and he whiffed yeah i felt big time on that because either put it in and really explore it or don't yeah and do a soprano story like that everybody came to see
1: And I think that I I 100%. And you can include a
0: Leslie Odom Jr. character. You can include all of that. Yeah. But make a choice. And I feel like
1: this was a half-assed choice. I think it was a compromise, for sure. I 100% agree with you. And I think that that, to me, gets back to just sort of a general sort of reason why, like, I guess my ultimate line about this movie, my ultimate takeaway was the subtitle, right, on the posters is A Soprano Story. Mm Mm-hmm. Was it a good Soprano story? I'd actually say, sure, yes. Oh, okay. Was it a good movie? No, not really. And the reason why was because it was like... It just felt like seven different versions of what this movie could have been. Mm. Just sort of mashed together. Sure. Kind of cut together, not super elegantly. And Mm -hmm. it's like, like you said, pick one. Yeah. You know, like is this really the young Sopranos movie mm-hmm. or is it a movie about the riots or is it a movie about a young immigrant woman right. trying to establish her own hair salon? right <laughs> right. yes <laughs> you know what is it about I make don't, the I, choice I, exactly yeah. uh, okay and he tried to satisfy so many parties. I think he very much tried to satisfy what he wanted as the creator. Mm-hmm. He also tried to satisfy what the studio wanted and like what the fan expectations were that probably fan expectations probably ran a distant 17th <laughs> sure. in his current considerations. Just oh, cause yeah. that's how he is. Yeah. Which is fine. And I respect it, but you know, it's just like all these competing, you know, I don't know. Um, There's just so many masters that he was trying to serve, including himself. And I think that that kind of made the movie sort of fall apart a little Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, I
0: agree. agree. Let's talk about something we actually both kind of liked. Yes. Uh, I'll start off by saying Uncle Sal. Yeah. So Ray Liotta's second character. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought this was a great performance. Mm -hmm. This was my favorite character. Yeah. By far. Uh, but I think you maybe want to talk about the prison scenes Mm -hmm. in general, Mm because you had brought this up almost right after we watched it. Right. This idea that I didn't even think of at the time, Mm -hmm. except there are pieces that started filling in to make sense
1: of that. And honestly, this might be your original idea. So, oh, it's not. Oh, I mean, it was at the time, oh. but then I listened to a podcast after we saw the movie um, called The Watch, uh-huh. and uh, which is a good podcast. I recommend Um, just two guys discussing pop culture movies and stuff. Mm. But one of those guys brought up what I thought. Fuck that guy. It was yeah. your idea. It was okay. my idea. So I mean, what was your idea? I'm just not sure that those scenes are even real. Right. I think that they might all be in Dickie Moltisanti's head. Yes. That's all.
0: Either... Dream yeah. sequences or daydreams mm-hmm. because we get that ridiculous blind baseball <laughs> <laughs> and he wakes up from it.
1: Yeah. That came out of left field. Yeah.
0: Pun intended. Hmm. And <laughs> Sal's not there. Right. Right? Is this even a twin? Or yeah. is this just a different representation of his father? Like an, an yeah. ideal of his father that he right. wish he had. Yeah. Right. Coming into the prison saying, I want to do a good deed? Yeah. I don't know. What, what does that even mean? That kind of language? Right. Very bizarre. It's,
1: it's just, just kind of... There's a dream like t- likeness to it. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of... And just the way that like, Ray Liotta, as that character, loved that performance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think he did a great job. You know, fun, sort of Sopranos thing. I don't know what... Chase's obsession is with twins, but sure. it's like the third set of twins that we get, right? Yeah. I, I think it's the third. I mean, the Cusimano sisters, yeah, uh, the Parises. Yeah. And now the, you know, Hollywood Dick and Sally. Yeah. Right? It, so it's that's just kind of odd. Mm-hmm. And then just the way that he talks, it's like a ghost and like, he's so, you think he's, when he first sits down, you think he's going to be like this brutal, horrible person. Mm-hmm. And he's not. He's just a guy who like, listens and is like really calm Mm -hmm. seems to weirdly know everything like seems to instantly know that his nephew murdered uh you know sally's brother Mm -hmm. and seems to not care about that at all and then also understands what's happening with Giuseppina, you know and like seems to not care about it at all he just seems to know too much seems to know what
0: might come of Mm -hmm. his relations with yeah, Tony, and he's all like super
1: spiritual too, right? Like, Speaks a you know, lot about God and Buddha. Yeah, and... it's the wanting all mm-hmm. this like philosophical stuff, right? Um, and he just wants his jazz, and he wants to like you know talk about spirituality and mm-hmm. and just listen, yeah, uh, without judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's just so strange, very, yeah. and the fact that like he only seems to really even exist to. Sticky. yeah like no one else even mentions the sally character seems aware of him in any way right and and this felt very sopranos mm-hmm. to me actually i mean how many
0: dream sequences do we have mm-hmm. in the tv show and how many um you know uh m- moments of is this real mm-hmm. is this not real Mm-hmm. this this felt very sopranos.
1: Yeah, yeah. Me. And there is such an ambiguity to it. And mm-hmm. like you said you wanted more of that ambiguity and you really get it in those scenes, I feel mm-hmm. like. There was something that I didn't think about when we saw it on the big screen, but I did think about it when I streamed it on HBO Max was there was this one shot like in the funeral scene at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, like it you know, Dick is dead and we kind of pan over the people that are there you know mourning him and you just see this like line of kids i literally like it goes to the next shot but i rewound it and i paused because i was like wait what's that shot about Mm. like why are we focusing on these kids who aren't even characters and then i was like wait a minute two of those kids are wearing sunglasses no yeah yeah so i was like that's the blind baseball team They are there to mourn their coach. Stop it! I actually took a picture. I'll show you afterwards.
0: No, no, show me right now. Let's do this live because that's ridiculous.
1: (laughs) Uh, Oh, words. I
0: mean, we can still be right, though, right? Yeah. That that's just
1: no. But I literally took a picture of this because I was just like, "Oh, that's so strange," and this is intentional. So, like, that's a shot that's held on. Oh my! For like a couple seconds, oh and I was just, god. and then it goes to the next You're shot, right. and I was just like, "Wait, why? Why? Yeah. wait, am I supposed to know who these people are? Oh my god!" And then sunglasses, kids—they're blind. <laughs> sunglasses, kids—they're yeah. blind. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's really funny. So I think that's more of the sort of like, "Oh, Chase is like, oh, in case you thought that that was just a fantasy, mm-hmm. actually, maybe it wasn't."
0: Right. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow. I kind of just... I didn't even know. I mean, I noticed the kids, but I didn't Mm -hmm. even
1: think about it. What I could be doing there. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, like, in general, the reason why this movie stands out to me from every other movie I've seen, in a way, (laughs) which maybe is a statement about its greatness in a weird way, the fact that it is very distinct from every other movie I've ever seen, Mm. is just that, like, it really relies, for me... On implications in a sense so it's like if you just watch the movie and you're just literally like okay this thing happened and this thing happened and this thing happens you're kind of like okay whatever it's not a Mm -hmm. really big deal it's not really memorable or meaningful but then when you think about those very same scenes and you're like oh well that informs something that we know will happen later Mm -hmm. or oh you could say that this says something about who Tony is as a person, and I can see how that tracks. When you start making those kind of connections, the movie kind of starts rising mm-hmm. like a like a nice souffle. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I still didn't love it, but I did respect a lot about it.
0: Yeah, I definitely respected those scenes uh, in the prison. I I, I really liked that. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss Livia mm-hmm. and the performance. Yeah. Um, by Vera. Farmija, Or
1: for Farmiga. Farmiga. Yeah. We still uh, don't know.
0: still don't know because we don't mm-hmm. know her. She's mm-hmm. never introduced herself, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, what can you say? Nancy Marchand is proud, I would assume, of yeah. uh, this performance.
1: She did a good job. I mean, I'll, I'll just say that <clears throat> this is kind of a backhanded compliment okay. to all of the actors. Okay. <laughs> Great. Uh, like I said before, you know, uh, we agree strongest aspect of this whole thing. Can't fault the actors. Mm -hmm. I will say though that like they all were good in exactly the way that I expected them to be good. So almost that was like in a weird way, disappointing Mm -hmm. because there weren't really any surprises. It was just kind of like when I heard that she was cast, I was like, Oh, that makes sense. She's going to knock it out. Mm -hmm. And she did. Yeah. And like Corey Stoll, like uncle junior. I Mm -hmm. was like, great. Yeah. Yeah. I totally see that. Yeah. And then, we watched the movie and you're like, yeah, okay. Those are good choices. Right. Sure. Yeah.
0: Jeff, yeah. She sounds like her. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. He said, uh, your sister's cunt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Another thing, if we're talking about that character and her performance was, which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very big Oedipal thread that right. Chase inserted into this film right. with Dickie, of course, and also with Tony, Dickie's is interesting because it's very literal in a way. Mm. Like, you know, we know that Dickie is famous for taking an eye out. Okay, that's what happened to Oedipus, yes. right? Uh, he also is fucking his stepmother. Yes. In case you didn't get it, you know, she <laughs> says, like, she loves the word motherfucker. To yes. subpoena. So they really wanted you to think about that. The whole killing the father, marrying the mother, yeah. Oedipus, eyes, you know, all yeah, of that. He, yeah. So, I mean, it's just some symbolism, but. Sure. Yeah.
0: But the description. Yeah. Of Livia snuggling up close mm-hmm. to a young Tony. hmm. That felt weird.
1: Well, score one for Melfi, right? Yeah, but <laughs> it's almost two on the nose. Two on the nose, yeah. You know? Like, mm-hmm. really?
0: Mm-hmm. I, mm hmm. I. I, yeah. And then her reaction as well. Mm-hmm. She was just like, yeah, no, eh. Right. he said that, huh? Huh?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, her takeaway is like to be very moved by it. Like, oh, I should do more stuff like that, actually. Yeah. And then she cooks yeah. him,
0: you know, the hamburgers the next day. And, you know, she's very happy to see yeah. him for a moment. Yeah. And then we're introduced to the medication, which is also brought up later in the mm-hmm. funeral of Dickie. Apparently he was found with mm-hmm. the
1: medication. Right. Either he was taking it or he did have it for Livia. Yeah. I mean, I think that my interpretation is that he did buy it for Livia after brushing Tony off on multiple occasions about it. He I he finally did pull through and get it for Livia. I think he got it for himself. Well, that makes sense too.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think he heard about it mm-hmm. from Tony mm-hmm. and thought maybe it is something that I could use and maybe he got hooked on it. Mm-hmm. cuz there is a history of this family in
2: mm-hmm.
0: alcoholism, drug addiction.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, Dickie's throwing back drink like shots. Yeah. The whole movie. Right. So,
1: yeah. I mean, it's an interesting character just to it's it's strange. I'm not even saying that this works, but just that deliberate choice of like a guy who's basically not really that violent, trying to be a great guy, but then he will just suddenly erupt into mm-hmm. monstrous extreme violence yeah it's almost like he becomes a different person yeah and then when he's done with that doing that it's like this oh what have i done yeah sort of thing and i think it's kind of interesting you know when we get to the end you know right before he's killed basically and like you know he's just sitting by himself and he just starts crying you know it's just like this is such an interesting thing to see happen we never really got a character like this in the series the sopranos and Mm -hmm. you know i thought that that was interesting you know it just shows really that like he is the Tony of this story. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. You know what it just reminded me of mm-hmm. seeing that scene was when Tom Hanks breaks down in Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. That, like, he's keeping this mm-hmm. I'm the leader
2: mm-hmm. persona
0: this whole time this tragic thing occurs. Mm-hmm. And behind closed door he has to, like, just let out this emotion that yeah. he's been holding in for so long.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, just made me think of that but yeah yeah the um the movie was not without its easter eggs right which were basically just as i described them to you earlier uh before we recorded they're kind of like reverse self-fulfilling prophecies Mm -hmm. because okay yeah when we see them we we knew that yeah you're just yeah you're just doing something we came to expect so Mm -hmm. for me they weren't that (laughs) they were kind of like I just was I I chuckled I was like sure the beehive shooting Mm -hmm. the beehive hair like you know yeah uh, the the ones that did stand out to me yeah were the the overalls Mm -hmm. relationship Mm -hmm. and and just like the similarities between like harold kills an overall and then he Mm -hmm. has to go down south Mm -hmm. same way tony once it was rediscovered Mm -hmm. had to go down south absolutely um and then one that was very subtle was carmella Mm -hmm. being pushed down during a a fight a physical fight that tony is in with somebody he's close with a guy another Mm -hmm. guy yeah very reminiscent of, of when he's fighting bobby Right. And she's shoved to the ground. Yeah, exactly. So, so. I, I like that little mirror there.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a few things, mm. you know, just put throughout the film like that. You know, Junior, you get a couple of him just saying lines that, like, the old Junior will say. Yeah. Like, your sister's cunt, right? That's mm-hmm. one. What that a blow. Said at some point. What a blow. I mean, those are really the two, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and also just in general... The idea of people falling and that's funny. Yes. Right? I mean, that's right. something that's established in the series. Yeah. Like, that people laugh at people falling. Mm-hmm. Um, just little things like that. Uh, my favorite Easter egg, this is one that, like, I, because in general, I didn't really care about any of the Easter eggs. I didn't really need them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't mad that they were there, but I didn't need them. Right. I didn't need that fan service. But I will say, I really did appreciate the moment. Um, it comes before the big obvious. Easter egg of the beehive hairdo shooting. Okay. When, uh, Livia says basically like that she would like Tony to grow up and sell patio furniture. Right. And I really liked that. Yeah. Cause you know, that was a thread throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Tony, whenever he was like dissing what the normal life could be, mm-hmm. you know, he would say like, Oh, we could go sell patio furniture by the road. as yeah. if He was just thinking of like the lamest thing he could possibly think of. Right. But then you see, yeah. Oh,
0: actually, there is something behind that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it, that that was great. Um, oh God, I, I can't believe I haven't even mentioned this yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know we're we're trying to, yeah, yeah, we're trying to wrap up. I mean, we could obviously keep going on, and we we could we mm-hmm. could still keep going on.
1: Oh, there's one more thing that I I do want to get into. Okay, yeah,
0: but the CGI effects of not only cigarette smoke, mm-hmm. in the movie. But the cigarettes themselves, Mm -hmm. young Janice is not holding a cigarette right? in that scene where they're all huddled around the TV Mm -hmm. watching Humphrey Bogart. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: She's not holding one.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, I don't think Joey Diaz is, he might be holding like a fake cigar, but it's all fake smoke. Mm -hmm. And that's throughout the movie. That's not even when children are present. Right. Even when it's just a group of adults, it's still fake. And it was yeah. so obvious. Right. And I don't know what that choice was, other than everybody's health, I guess. But mm-hmm. it, it, I was just so... Deta- it, again, it felt s- like staged. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when young, young, young Tony and uh, Artie Buca before they go into Holstein's. Mm-hmm. That's not a real cigarette. Yeah. It's not even
1: lit. Mm-hmm. It's like a fake staged prop yeah what the hell I don't know yeah I don't know if that's some um, weird new law or something because you know cigarette smoking on film is usually not real cigarettes it's like sure herbal cigarettes or something sure uh, but it, I mean it's still a physical prop with physical smoke right and because yeah. you're in a physical world <laughs> I don't know what the explanation is honestly yeah yeah that, that's, it was that's just another thing on. that
0: yeah. I when I saw that I was like
1: I mm-hmm. just
0: didn't, I didn't get it. It was weird. Took me out. Yeah. That's the thing. I was taken out of the enjoyment a lot right. in the movie. I think that was That's my overall problem. Yeah. Is that I was just pulled out and then like the half glass, mm-hmm. glass half empty. Yeah. Gavin Was like, no, 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 no. This will not yeah. do.
1: I totally get that. Okay. One thing I did really want to touch on. Yes. Uh, We don't have to spend a lot of time on it. It's all right. Bernthal as Johnny boy. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. Again, a reimagining. Mm-hmm. That is a very different version of the character uh, than than what was represented in the series. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I thought in the show, he was more wrapped around Livia's finger. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it seemed like he just caused her havoc yeah, and got away with it.
1: Yeah. And he seems like a super, like my, my impression, I think I, I mentioned this when we talked about the trailer is that, you know, the impression that I got from Johnny boy and the show was that he never became boss really, because he was just a little too dumb, like, and just a little too sloppy. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't like really cunning enough to right. ever like take a position of real authority. Mm-hmm. But this Johnny boy is very different. Like, he's very aggressive, very vicious. Yeah. Cunning. And, like, you almost, like, see, like, oh, he really, everyone's afraid of him. Well, he's, he's I yeah. believe,
0: a captain. Yeah. He's Kappa. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Dickie refers to him as Skipper.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's an obvious right. reference to his authority. Right. Right below Eckley.
2: Yeah.
0: Who's David Chase? Apparently, exactly. Yeah. David
1: Chase plays exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I read that today.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just interesting. I mean, I don't. Neither here nor there. I, it's just that, like, that's another reimagining of right. like, okay, you completely like, you know, some characters are exactly what they were. Like, okay, yeah, that's young Livia. Period. Mm-hmm. No real changes. Maybe softened a little bit, actually. Mm. Because, you know, when, you know, and this ties into Johnny Boy. You know, he, he charges into the house after he's gone out of prison. Yep. And he s- immediately starts screaming about the black people that have moved in down the street. Right. So you're like, okay, this guy's a super racist asshole. Yeah. Livia actually pushes back against that. And is like, oh, you know, he's a doctor. Like, what's the big deal, basically? Mm-hmm. Like, she's not upset by it.
0: Yeah, that's true. And you're true. like...
1: Oh well, like the Olivia of the show was more racist. I mean, maybe yeah. just you know that came with age or sure. something.
0: I think yeah. it had to play. It it had to be a reason why Tony ends up mm-hmm. the way he is. Yeah, the the racist character exactly because he didn't get it from Dicky, right? Because Dicky was working with him.
1: Yeah. And he actually, like, you get the sense that Dickie genuinely liked Harold in the yeah. beginning. Like, it actually wasn't, like, he, he didn't... It was like, a working relationship. was a working relationship. He had him yeah. join him in his car. Yeah. Drove him around. Yeah. And then you had this subtle thing that he would do, um, that Navola would do, or the character, whatever, where, like you know, he would be less nice to him when he was in the presence of the guys, Mm -hmm. in a way. Or if he wanted to talk to him in, like, the way that they were used to talking, he'd always bring him away from the other guys. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of demonstrated, in a way, like, oh, he doesn't really hate Harold. He has to sort of perform it because these other guys are more racist than he is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just sort of an interesting thing.
0: Yeah, and it probably... I mean, it it probably definitely uh, feeds into his his rage once right. he discovers that just yeah. has slept with him right because yeah.
2: you're like wait whoa whoa,
0: whoa. we're oh, friends yeah yeah thought we were on yeah. uh, on good terms here
1: yeah and then maybe you know even it feeds into tony's older tony's racism because the, again with the softer tony like you literally see that When Harold says hey to uh, teenage Tony, Tony just nods back at him, like, no problem, no issue, like, Mm -hmm. has no animosity towards that guy whatsoever. But then maybe, you know, Tony grows up thinking like, oh, this guy and his people were behind the murder of my father figure. So, I mean, that's going to cause a buildup of... Yeah, and who knows
0: if the Willie overall character was Mm -hmm. maybe... You know if that was tony's first hit mm-hmm. maybe it was maybe somebody played like the same trick that tony played on christopher right like this is the guy we think killed dicky yeah so we need you to take care of him and he's like well fuck yeah i'll take care of him yeah
1: maybe yeah a uh, couple other quick things i did like the fact that the guy's name is hollywood dick and then his grandson's you know, big ambition is to go to Hollywood. So it's a fun little connection. And Mm -hmm. then also Holston's, you know, we've talked about how the pool in the show is basically a metaphor for family. It's like symbolic of family. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen this any place else, although I'm sure someone else has said it, Mm -hmm. but Holston's appears twice in this movie. And it seems to, when you add it to like its place in the series, obviously the final scene of the entire series, Mm -hmm. It seems to be symbolic of endings. Now I don't yes. know what that necessarily means, but like Chase is clearly deliberately honed in on whatever this is, it just means the end. Yes. Because we see it when we transition from younger Tony to slightly mm-hmm. older Tony. And then when Tony basically has the realization in a way that like Dickie's not coming. Yeah. Because he's dead. You know, another yep. end. So that's interesting. I appreciate that. That's great. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um,
0: but I'm sorry I'm looking it up right now. You were not the original uh, oh, on that yeah. idea.
1: <laughs> so I'm sorry. Well, okay. Yeah. I guess I don't win the prize. This is what
0: happens when we wait two weeks yeah. to do a podcast. You know? Yeah. Jeez. Um, God. Well, obviously, you, the listener, is going to say, well, why didn't they talk about this? And mm-hmm. What about this? What about this? Hey, we can carry on this conversation. Yeah. Online um you know on twitter we can maybe recap you know more uh down the road who knows i think we should finish by asking ourselves what do the next five years of Mm -hmm. david chase contract look like and what should as if we were going to imagine the next a soprano story Mm -hmm. what would you want to see
1: right yeah so just in case you don't know (laughs) David Chase recently signed a five-year deal, some unspecified amount of money, some unspecified number of projects that he's going to be developing for HBO Mm -hmm. in the future. So, does that mean movies? Does that mean series? We have no idea. Uh, I have to assume that we're going to get more Sopranos content in some way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what you would naturally do is retain Michael Gandolfini and Mm -hmm. do... I mean, this is so obvious, but like just do a show that takes place in the eighties. Yeah. Maybe a mini series or like a movie or something Mm -hmm. just do Tony in the eighties. Probably he's a little bit harder now. He's like, it's more the sort of, he's a soldier. Let's say he's a soldier established. Yeah. And it's more, I think, a film or mini series. I assume it wouldn't be a full series, just a sequel series or prequel series or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's more what you know. Maybe we imagined this movie was going to be, or yeah. at least what they advertised this movie as. Where mm-hmm. like you know, he's really making his bones. He's coming up through the ranks, right. and you know, he's also dealing with his first like panic attacks or whatever. Yeah. Know? Well, that's that's
0: that. kind of something I was thinking about of this movie. Mm-hmm. we didn't get any of that
1: no and you yeah. get a panic attack yeah no he's not there yet like i was expecting i was expecting he should be there though because in the yeah.
0: show he passed out mm-hmm.
1: earlier than that yeah i don't know i was expecting three big things that never happened actually in this movie titties uh no, well, they were there no the, no, the, the titties made it in. um <laughs> i mean that was number one of course no, no, no. that's a joke um that's That's a joke, just in case the fiance is listening.
0: That was a joke.
1: Um, Number one, I was like, oh, we're going to get, like, a Tony dream sequence of some kind. Mm. Didn't happen. Uh, What else did I think was going to happen? I thought that they were going to make more of Dickie's death. And that they were going to have a little bit more fun with that and just reveal that Tony flat out lied. (laughs) I was kind of expecting that. But, you know, it turns out that, like, no, it's basically what happened. Like, the TV trays and everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever shot Dickie, it doesn't actually really matter. Okay, maybe it was the cop, maybe it wasn't. The point is, it's just some guy. It's not important. Um, (laughs) So I thought that they were going to make more of that, and they didn't. And then I guess I thought I was going to see at least a panic attack or two that didn't happen. And then I guess I thought I was going to see a little bit more of Tony's connection with a young Christopher, but I guess Christopher literally is a baby. So you can't really do anything with that. Yeah. Although the sort of slightly cheesy and don't focus, I would say just in general, just general note, (laughs) if I could be so presumptive to, to give the master a, a note. Um, it doesn't need to be a movie. Sure. It doesn't need to be a movie movie nope. on the big screen. No. You know. Miniseries just, are great. Miniseries are great. Yeah. Or just do like a TV one-off thing. If sure. this had just been a TV one-off from the beginning, yeah. I feel like this whole conversation would have been very different. Because oh our expectations God, yeah. would have been very different. Yeah. And so I think that overall, that's an interesting thing about this whole thing where it's just like the weaknesses come down to not great filmmaking and at points, but also just the expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, we just had a certain expectation of what this was going to be, and it it wasn't met. And yeah. maybe that's just on us, but that's how it is.
0: Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. It'd be great to hear, you know, what you guys uh, think, you all listening.
1: Wrote for Orson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Leave that in.
1: <laughs>
0: It'd be great to... You know, hear what you guys, uh, have to say about the movie. I know there's, you know, a lot already said out there and everything, but, you know, we've, uh, I think we've explored, you know, some, some of the weaknesses. Definitely, you know, some of the good stuff as well.
1: It wasn't all bad. It, wasn't it definitely all bad. wasn't all bad.
0: Um, yeah, but hey, for the first shot at, uh, a Sopranos movie. Okay. We got okay. a little bit of what we wanted. Uh. Yeah but expectations are always going to be high for the greatest TV show of all time.
1: Yeah. They've raised the bar as high as it can possibly go. So begs the question, why do it at all? But anyway, (laughs) uh,
0: until next time, um, you know, follow us on uh, Twitter and uh, all those other things. And uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll see what we get next. I know there's obviously requests for us to do other TV shows. You have n- no idea how difficult it is to do a podcast from your house uh, with es- your
1: sleeping baby in right. the next room, especially
0: right? when you have uh,
1: an eight eight month old. So Gavin does, not me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, maybe uh, I yeah. don't know. We'll see.
1: I mean, this is The Soprano Show. I, I feel like it would be fun to make this a, like, lifetime project. <laughs> and whenever we get another off, yeah. we will reappear in your podcast feed.
2: Yeah. <laughs>